it went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just... Well, Jim, let's talk about major championships. And I guess the first thing that that I noticed, and and Bruce, uh, you know, we've had a couple other guys that we've marveled at their majors record. We didn't get into this with Lee because uh, uh, we'll, we'll... We'll visit with him another time in terms of his, uh, you know, cut making, I guess, in majors. I remember Bobby Nichols and, and boy, he, he, he missed maybe two cuts in his first, you know, 40 majors or 30 majors. Pretty incredible. But I, I look at, I look at Jim's record and, and now I notice a cut, cut, cut in 2002 and, and probably have to do maybe that, that wrist injury you mentioned, but before 2002, first 24 majors, one missed cut. That's pretty strong. Yeah, um, I guess I prided myself on being consistent. Um, I made a lot of cuts throughout my career, and uh, I was always trying to have a year where I didn't miss one. I'm not sure I ever did it, but, uh, you know, I'd go play 27, 20 events. I'd miss one, two, three cuts, you know, and then if I had a bad year, I might miss six or seven. But um, I can remember my grandfather, my mom's father, when I was younger, uh, my, my rookie year, I played 27 events. I made 14 cuts and missed 13 and he knew nothing about golf, but he was, he was wondering what I was going to do for, for my career when golf was over, because I was only making about half the cuts and, uh, <laughs> yeah. only making money half the week. So, um, I figured it out pretty quick and became more consistent. So, uh, you know, th- those championships are always set up. I think the one that always got me was the PGA. Um, but those championships are usually set up a lot more difficult, uh, under more difficult conditions, tougher setups, tougher conditions. Guys are putting more pressure on themselves. So all of a sudden, when you have to scrap it out, when, when even par is a good score and you don't, you're not putting the pedal down, I was able to kind of change gears and get in that mode. And I think it, it helped me with, uh, you know, making some cuts, but also getting myself in contention, giving myself some opportunities. The PGA, I probably didn't put the pedal down enough certain years. You know, the, the one that I had a really good chance to win where Jason Duffner won, it was set up more like mm-hmm. a U.S. Open. Heavy, thick, rough, uh, pars a good score. But the ones where we had to go a little more low, uh, I didn't do as well. I think I treated it more like a major. I didn't I didn't recognize the setup. I didn't recognize the scores were going to be as good as they were and, and probably didn't, didn't play uh, the fashion I was supposed to. So that was the one that I probably didn't play as well as I would have liked. But uh, I gave myself a lot of opportunities, and and or at least a couple at the Masters, and uh, you know maybe three or four opportunities at the at the Open, and then a bunch of opportunities at the U.S. Open. Well, to give people an idea of the consistency, the Masters 20, 20 starts, sixteen cuts; U.S. Open twenty five starts, twenty two cuts; Open Championship twenty two starts, fifteen cuts; and the PGA Championship twenty six starts. And 20 cuts. That's a pretty consistent record, mister. Yeah. Pretty good. I had a bad run at the at the British Open for a little while where I had maybe like a five-year span where I might have missed three or four cuts. Uh, I was in the process of kind of, I don't know, changing my game is the right way, but my game was transforming. I started to hit the ball a little higher, started uh, – moving my equipment to try to get more successful in the u.s where where it's more of an aerial game and and i kind of i don't know if i lost but i i uh struggled with uh lynx golf for a little while and i kind of got back to it uh uh 
after those five years, I, I really put, I really put a lot of time in to get back to it. Cause early in my career, I playing in the wind and keeping the ball low and the bump and run was, was something I thought would really favor my game, but uh, I got away from it for a little while there. I, and if I, if you look, it's probably like from that 2000 to maybe 2004, 2000, 2005, somewhere in there. And then right after that, I kind of got back on a nice run at the British open where I played really well. Yeah, you had three top tens in a row, and then and then T forty one at the old course in two thousand. Of course, that's when Tiger walked away with it. And then, yeah, starting in 01, uh, you mentioned uh, the right number yeah. five five cuts. We were kind of wondering what was going on there, particularly right after th- three top tens, because you, you sure showed that you could play links golf. Yeah, and it was just yeah. a it was just a transforming of my game and, and trying. I think that also helped me win the U.S. Open in 03. It helped me. Uh, you know, I really thought that. 03 was a big year, 02, 03, and then the great years in 05 and 06. You know, I was kind of in the process of of changing my game a little bit to uh, to try to try to win more in the U.S. I guess that, that was my home. That's where I played the bulk of my golf. So, um, and and the style here in the U.S. doesn't always translate to uh, British Open golf to bump and run golf to keeping it low. Um, and so, you know, a good player, you know. Uh, the greatest players, Jack, Tiger, they win in any conditions, right? They can change. Yeah, and so same. I had to kind of, I had to be able to, to adjust. And I, and I really made a conscious effort of that after, uh, after that bad run at the open to, yeah. to, to, to get back to it. You had a couple of seconds uh, in the U S open 06, 07 back to back when Ogilvy won at Wingfoot and, and, and Cabrera won at Oakmont. Uh, I, I alluded to this earlier before you played well at Oakmont, had a couple of seconds there, as I recall, and another uh, pretty good finish. What's the the second major you should have won? Uh, the Olympic Club, twenty twelve. Uh, Webb Simpson won that one. I uh, I didn't finish it off. I uh, the last three holes, I hit a bad shot at sixteen. They moved the tee way up on sixteen, and uh, I was a little unprepared for it, and I made a bad decision. I uh, I took like an aggressive line and made a tentative swing i guess i should have taken a uh a conservative line and made an aggressive swing i just made a made a bad choice of club selection off the tee and it, it caused uh caused a tentative swing and a bad shot uh made a bogey at 16 and then didn't birdie 17 and then really had to force it to try to birdie 18 to tie and and uh and did not so um uh, that one, uh, Graham McDowell and I were playing together, and I thought for sure one of us were going to win the golf tournament, and we just both didn't finish it off the way we should have. So um, we both, thankfully, we both won a U.S. Open, <laughs> and we don't have to relive yeah. it too often. But yeah. that's the one that uh, that's the one that probably got away. Uh, the Masters '98, I had a good chance. The Open Championship '98 had a great chance. Um, Wingfoot in '06. It was a little bothersome, but really, you know, that was Phil's tournament to win, to be honest with you. But once what happened to Phil, when I look back and I only ended up losing by one, that was a, that was a little bit of a, a stinger. Um, the second and 16 at Oakmont, I mean, Dustin Johnson controlled that tournament and had some weird things happen to him with the rulings and that. So uh, that was one that he deserved. Uh, that never really, that never really bothered me. I was coming fresh off of a, a surgery as well. That was like a, I felt like I won two U.S. Opens uh, coming back and finishing second there. Yeah, Bruce, mm. 16 top fives in majors. That's pretty good. Yeah. Very consistent player, as we talked about before. And then you you, you played on a lot of team golf, too. 
James. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really proud of that. I was able to, I think, play a nine Ryder Cups. I think the only one, only American to play as many or more was Phil Mickelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have that opportunity to represent your country, to play, in, in my opinion, uh, that that was that's my favorite event and so the opportunity to do that to wear the american flag on your sleeve um to play as a team and uh, i got to know i learned so much about my game i learned uh so much from my teammates and watching them play in practice rounds and and things that i took from that event but uh the camaraderie and and the friendships that i made with teammates and and uh, the the best thing i could say about a Ryder cup is when you're the last match left out on the golf course. And it's kind of a pivotal point in team play on either a Friday or Saturday night. And both teams are huddled. You got the the Euros on one side, the Americans on the other, and everyone's on pins and needles. And the crowd now is, you know, what fans are there have all crowded in as much as they can around one hole. And uh, to just look around, it gives you goosebumps that, you know, the, the best players in the world are all here watching us. I got, you know, 10 teammates rooting for, for my partner and I, uh, all the girls, you know, the wives and girlfriends are there and it just, it's the greatest feeling to be kind of out there, uh, in that atmosphere and, and in a big moment. And, uh, uh, I'll, I'll miss, I'll, I'll genuinely and sincerely miss playing in those events. That's, that's one of the, the greatest things I've been able to do in my career, uh, both the Ryder cup and the president's cup. And, and then, uh, obviously the, to, to get the nod to captain the team in 18 was, uh, was really uh, an honor. Yep, and uh, uh, just a couple of the highlights from the playing days. I guess the, the 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 wins that people would really remember would be the the Battle of Brookline and the at the Country Club in '99, and then and then uh, when uh, Azinger captained the team in 2008, you guys uh, won. Everybody remembers the pod system and and Paul's sort of unique approach to captaining, which I think was well needed after. Uh, a pretty tough run for the U.S. side for a few years. What's your favorite memory of the the Ryder Cup? Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me. One in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Panda and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? Well, the wins for sure, as you mentioned them. Uh, 99, huge comeback. Uh, 08, where we kind of took control and, and, and dominated that week a lot from start to finish. Uh, totally different way to win. And then, you know, as a vice captain in both 16 and 20, uh, watching our team prevail at Hazeltine and then at uh, Whistling Straight. So uh, being a part of, I have to think about it, nine as a player, probably 12 of them. And, you know, yeah. and, and the, the, the four wins that, that uh, I had a part of were, were, were a lot of fun. I mean, being a vice captain is actually very enjoyable it's like being a, a coordinator you know there's yeah. not a lot of stress you don't have to make really any decisions <laughs> you're just out there you're just out there hanging with the guys and and then relaying you know critical information back to the captain who has all the stress and all the pressure and all the decisions to make 
And so really it's just a, a cool way to kind of hang with the guys. You know, you might have a pod of four guys or a group that you're going out with and you just get involved with that match so much and with the players in it. Um, it, it it's so much fun. So I, I've enjoyed that. And that's why I, I kind of mentioned 16 and 20 as well, even though I, I wasn't playing, I was there and felt very much a part of it with the team. And yeah. obviously I didn't hit a shot and I didn't pull the trigger and I didn't really do all that much, but uh, I still, uh, still enjoyed uh, the process and being there and, and the camaraderie. And, um, but Oh uh, nine and or 99 and Oh eight were, uh, were just a blast. And, and to do, to win is fun, but to win as a team and to have that bond forever. And as you mentioned, uh, both those captains, uh, Tom or uh, Ben had a, all the captains I played for, I've got nothing for, but great things to say. And when I captained, I tried to pull bits and pieces from everyone, you know, things that I loved that they did that, uh, that I wanted to incorporate into my team and, and the way that I captained my team. Um, you know, Ben, I think his key moment was when he walked in that press room Saturday night, we were four points down kind of left for dead you know most folks thought we were done and and he pointed his finger at everybody and he said i got a good feeling about this we're gonna drop the mic he dropped the mic and walked out and everyone there at the time thought he was absolutely out of his mind like he had lost (laughs) it and he was done and but it was a big deal for us i mean we were getting our rear ends handed to us and our captain just like instead of looking like you know it was the end of the world he uh you know, he, he basically said, I got a good feeling. These guys are going to go out and win tomorrow. And I believe in them. And that was a big step for us. And yeah. then Zinger, his style was a little different. He had to get everyone to kind of buy into what he was calling a pod system. Um, not only get buy into it, but uh, kind of accept the role that they were going to be given, uh, which a good leader will do. Uh, he'll kind of define your role and, and make sure that, you know, make sure you're going to accept it. Um, but, Paul's got a really unique uh, personality, I guess, in that uh, he's high energy and, and I don't know, he has, he has a unique way of making you feel at ease. Of uh, He's serious, but he's comical and he's witty. And I think like he can sit with the boys and talk smack. I mean, really, he can talk some smack. He's hard to, hard to beat. <laughs> but then he can put him in a room of girls and he's just such a sweetheart and a gentleman that he's kind of got a little bit of a magnetic personality. I've always been kind of drawn to him. I think he's funny. I think he's wonderful to hang out with. And I think it was reflected on the team as in his leadership that um, it just was a fun week in, in a time when we were putting a lot of pressure on ourselves and we weren't winning a lot of those events. And we, you know, we, we, we had to win would, would have been a way I would say, it just didn't seem like that with Paul. He had a way of kind of diffusing and letting the air out of the balloon and then letting us go out there and, and perform and play well. Yeah. yeah. You had a good run uh, if we jump ahead to the President's Cup then too. Played seven times. I think there might have been once where uh, you had to back away because of injury probably, didn't you, that you might have made an eighth team? Is I it? did. Yeah. I did in Korea. That would have been uh, – uh, possibly the last one I would have played in. I'm not sure. I got to go back and think about that. But I, I made the team at Korea, and that was when we were going into that uh, second wrist surgery, and I just couldn't. Couldn't do I kind of waited until the last minute, and I just couldn't go, and I was in, in, in talks with Jay Haas, and I asked if there was any way if I could come over and, and be a vice captain. And the, uh, the tour had to kind of make a little bit of an exception for that. But since I had made the team, they kind of they thought it was warranted. And, and so it was my first taste as a – basically as an assistant and uh 
and it's funny, you know, being a short straight hitter, the two guys that I was given putting in charge of all week were uh, JB Holmes and Bubba Watson. Well, sure. Which was, uh, <laughs> which was interesting. Like I'm watching them cut corners and I'm thinking, how did I end up in this group? Right. You know, but uh, I had a great, I had, I had a great time with them. I had a lot of fun and JB was the one that replaced me that week. So uh, it was kind of cool to hang out with him. Yeah. You look at the lineup of captains that you had experience with too in that event. Nicholas, Peter Thompson, Ken Venturi, Gary Player. The list goes on and on. Quite an experience, I'm sure. It really was. I think to to play for your your heroes, your your idols, um, and then get to know them so well. I think I did that four times for Jack where I played on his teams, but all the captains. Uh, Ken was someone I didn't know very well, and, and Tabitha and I got to know him very well through the week. So most of the captains I played for, I either played alongside, I knew very well, I was already friends with. But then right. to play for Ken, it was really interesting to get to know him. And, and I really enjoyed that, actually. I enjoyed that relationship that we had. And I and, uh, got to have dinner with him when it was all said and done. And he really, uh, he really poured his heart into it. He had a stack of papers with stats and notes that had to be it – was, it was like a novel uh, <laughs> and, and organized so well that uh, it was really interesting. And, you know, he had gotten to view us from afar for so long but probably didn't know the guys that well either. So it was, right. yeah. it was good that we could, uh, could spend that time together. Yeah. So you, you, you eventually turned 50, as most of us do if we're lucky enough, and uh, started the senior tour. You didn't waste any time, Rookie of the Year. <laughs> No, and I had a an interest. I had the longest rookie season uh, ever because I turned fifty during COVID. So the decision was made to kind of have a two year season. So my rookie season really lasted for about eighteen months, and uh, it, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I knew that I was when I forty nine to fifty, I was going to kind of finish out the uh, the tour season, and uh, and then maybe go play. I played two events. Both at the Ally and Flynn, I played at Pebble Beach at the Pure. I was able to win two of those, and then I went back and tried to kind of finish out the tour season. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to play the last four events on the Champions Tour schedule. I'm going to see what I really think and get a feel for uh, Champions Tour golf and uh, and go play courses I've never seen before, where I'd already played Warwick Hills, I'd already played Pebble Beach. Go play some courses I haven't seen and get a real feel for what's going on and I just kind of really fell in love with it. You know, I didn't know what I'd think about three-round tournaments. Um, I got to tell you, I enjoy the cart and practice rounds and pro-ams, greatest invention of all time. <laughs> uh, it takes a lot lot less toll on your body. Um, you know, I, I like to say when I play the PGA Tour, I get really tired of my four-iron and my five-wood because I hit them all the damn time. And <laughs> I go on the Champions Tour, and I get to hit my eight-iron again and my nine-iron, and I miss those there you guys, go. man. It had been a long time since <laughs> I'd hit them. And so uh, kind of old friends that I hadn't been able to play with and really just making a lot more birdies. You can be a lot more aggressive. Um, I, I enjoyed playing it, and I realized it was kind of time to, to turn the page. And everyone's got to make that decision eventually. And it was just the right time for me. And so uh, I found a new home and Tabitha and I now are, uh, we last year in October, we had our first, we host a champions tour event. Our, our foundation runs it. Um, and so we had our uh, constellation Furican friends here in Jacksonville, Florida, Tim Aquana country club. And so to kind of, um, you know, uh, I watched Davis love kind of host RSM and as strickers, the host up in, in Madison at the am fam, you know, yeah. we always looked up to, you know, Arnie had Bay Hill and yeah. Byron Nelson in Dallas and Jack had the Memorial and, and then Tiger was started to host some events. And, and, you know, I, I kind of, it's really proud. 
I'm humbled and obviously don't, don't put myself in the breath of those, those gentlemen, but the fact that we could kind of run with that in Jacksonville in our hometown and, and raise a bunch of money for charity here in Northeast Florida, we, which we were already doing with a, a charitable golf tournament, but we've kind of transformed it and it's now, now a, a champions tour event. I'm just really proud and really thankful for the support we've gotten from the PJ tour, the champions tour, uh, our sponsors, great. the club, the town, all of our guests. It's really a, it's been a lot of fun. And so, uh, that transformation kind of, for me, I already enjoyed the tour, but then to host your own event, it really has become complete for me. Yeah. So that's, uh, for our listeners, that's October 7th through the 9th at Timaquana, uh, down in Jacksonville, Florida. And, uh, it's close enough. I think I'm going to come down and, uh, check that out for a day. So the other thing about the, 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 uh, senior tour course, you've still got Bernhard Chase and Hale Irwin. Unbelievable. Uh, he's Unreal. two behind yeah. and is no. likely going to catch him. Nobody will catch those two. Nobody. I think Hale's 45 and Bernard's 42. 43. 43. 43. Yeah. Nobody is going to do that again. And that um, period, it's not going to happen. I don't care who it is. I don't care who we're talking about. Um, the longevity of that and to stay that focused, to work that hard until you're, you know, otherwise you're going to have to basically win five events a year for your first 10 years. And I just, I just don't yeah. see it. I really don't. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, Jimmy, we always, uh, well, having had all you great players on, we always have a couple of questions or three questions we like to ask. Okay. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to ask you the first one. If you knew what you know now when you first started on the tour, what would you have done differently? Hmm. Uh, I probably, I probably would have sought the help of a sports psychologist earlier. So I waited till I was 43 years old to see a sports psychologist. And it really wasn't even about my game. I was, it was more on time management. It was more on managing my schedule and being away from my family when I first started talking to Bob. And then we kind of dive, you know, dove into, to my game a little bit, but you know, I used to, when I was younger in my career, I'd say, why do I need someone to <laughs> tell me what I should be thinking about? Like, I don't want to be thinking about what I should be thinking about, you know, but uh, it was just a, you know, I was a, being a little bit stubborn and, and uh, I think it would have helped. I think it would have helped me through some situations and, and uh, you know, I think I could have possibly won some more events because of it, but uh, also, you know, that, that, that stubbornness and that fire that I had also probably helped me prevail in some situations as well. All right, Jim, we're going to give you one career mulligan. Where do you take it? Sixteenth tee at the Olympic Club, twenty twelve. I'm hitting a, a three wood goes back in the bag, and I'm hitting a hybrid off the tee. Uh, it was a the, the best play of the day. It was a hybrid, hybrid, and a, and a wedge, and and uh, maybe I make birdie. Actually, maybe I win that event. You know, I didn't, all I had to do was make par and I had a really good chance to win that event. But, uh, I ended up making bogey and put myself kind of behind the eight ball. But, uh, yeah, I probably, I would have up until then, it would have been the second 98 second shot at 15 at Augusta. And I tried mm-hmm. to cut a three wood into a back right pin and I double crossed it, hit the slope, went in the water, made six. I birdied 16, 17 and, and lost. Well, I ended up losing by two, but at the time right. when I finished 18, I was one down and then O'Mara made that putt. Yeah. But uh, until then it was that shot just cause it was the masters and it was my one best chance to win. But, uh, probably go with, uh, probably go with the Olympic club for sure. 
So your golf career, uh, a lot of your golf story has been written, but you're still writing a bit of your story on the senior tour. But uh, uh, how would you like to be remembered as a golfer? Uh, I guess first and foremost, probably for, for character, for being a gentleman, for, um, for from that side of things. And as the second as a fierce competitor, probably be two. So I guess someone that, uh, someone that was a fierce competitor, but hopefully, uh, folks thought I did it the right way, if that makes sense. So Jimmy, I want to say one thing, you were a fierce competitor and you are a great gentleman and both Mike and I want to thank you so much for being a part of For the Good of the Game. And uh, hopefully in the years to come, a lot of people will say, who is that Jim Furyk? And they'll know exactly where to go. Thanks for being with us, buddy. I appreciate it, Bruce. And thank you, Mike. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway. It went smack down the fairway. Then it started to slice just a smidge off line. It headed for two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Yes, it went straight down the middle. Quiet.